This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts. Specialised experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says Authenticity Guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. This momentum for change cannot be diverted. It cannot be stilled. It must roll on. And I think fashion has to be part of that. What do you make of this digital fashion week that's just happened and how long do you think that has real legs we're, we're taken out of the actual physical experience of the fashion show but we're given this other not physical but human insight into why these people do what they do and how they do what they do and i found that quite moving in a funny way i thought it was quite emotional Hi, this is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of The Business of Fashion, and welcome to the BOF Podcast. Each season after Fashion Month, I sit down with Tim Planks, and we hash out what we've learned, what we've observed, and what we've taken away from the latest season of fashion shows. Of course, this season was completely different, but it was still worth having a catch-up with Tim to explore where fashion goes from here. Here's Tim Blanks, Inside Fashion. Hi, everybody. Welcome to BOF Live. I'm here with Tim Blanks, our editor at large. And, you know, usually around this time of year, Tim and I have spent several weeks on end in the back of a car 
navigating fashion week. Uh, and so we thought, well, we can't do that this year, but um, Tim and I have still been keeping in touch, of course. And um, we usually record a podcast conversation um, just reflecting on the fashion season that was. Um, and so we thought, well, there's still a lot to talk about. So I asked Tim uh, to join me. Welcome, Tim. Hi, Imran. How are you doing? Good, good. I like your shirt. He said neutrally, good. <laughs> Thank you. I'm feeling uh, glamour. You're feeling glamour. Um, <clears throat> glam rock. Glam, glam rock. rock. Okay. There, there, is a, there is a difference. I'm not capable yeah. of glamour, but I, I, I am capable of glam rock, so. Um, well, our, our conversation today is called, where does fashion go from here? And, you know, I know it's something that's been on your mind a lot. It's certainly been on my mind. Um, but before we dive into that specifically, you know, we're, I guess, four months, four and a bit months into lockdown now or limited. Well, I, I sort of, I date the transitional moment. I, I came back from Paris on March the 3rd. Yeah. And I figure that March the 3rd was the day that you could feel the storm clouds had kind of well and truly gathered over fashion. So I kind of date everything from March the 3rd. I think the last time that we saw anybody actually in our flat was March the 7th or 9th. And so however many months it is since then is how, 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 however long it is since we haven't seen anybody. Um, and everything's being done like this, kind of digitally. So. And the last time you and I saw each other in person was mm -hmm. to record our podcast for the end of that season. And I, you know, I don't wow. know if you, I don't know if you remember what we talked about, but it was obviously a very strange moment and we didn't know what was about to come. But one of the questions that we were grappling with was whether we would all look back at that fashion week and, and wonder if it was irresponsible for all of us to be sitting, you know, snuggled up next to each other at fashion shows and dinners while this uh, virus was spreading. And what we know now, Tim, is the virus was spreading. It yeah. was spreading actively in Italy and in, in France, just as fashion week was going on. So. Looking back now, what what do you think? Um, I, I I wasn't thinking irresponsible. I mean, there was, but because you know we left Italy the the day we left Italy, Giorgio Armani cancelled his show, and yeah. did his show digitally, and you know there was a little bit of kind of huffing and puffing about that, and oh, that's so dramatic or whatever. And so I, and then the airport in Milan that night was like the fall of Saigon. Um, it, it was just so crazy. And it wasn't people trying to get out of the country. Well, it was people trying to get out of the country, not because they were panicking, panicking about the virus necessarily, but just there was a sense, there was this sense of some enormous, ominous force. Um, and then getting to Paris and finding that, you know, People were saying, shall we, shan't we, you know, have a show? And then nothing really, there were, there were a couple of shows canceled. Um, 
there was still, you know, I, I always compare this, this, that whole moment to, you know, before World War II, there was a thing, World War I, there was this thing called the phony war. Before the war actually started, there was this moment where everybody knew there was going to be a war, but it hadn't happened. So they were kind of in this suspended animation. And that's kind of what it was like that this, because I don't think anybody knew it was going to be as bad as it turned out to be at that point. But still there was this, oh, you know, I remember I was in the, when I interviewed Rick Owens after his, before his show, he said to me, do you think this is the one? And um, I said, well, do you? And, you know, we just didn't know at that point. And, and you know what the weird thing is, However many months later it is, March, April, May, June, five months later, we still don't know because I, I, feel, the, I feel that still the, the doctors who are leading our, shaping our opinions on this, I don't think they're completely sure what it is they're dealing with. Um, yeah. it, just, it just feels, you know, you, when you read epidemiologists are so excited by this virus because it is such a challenge and it's so multifocal and it's just this incredible, you know, opportunity to delve deep into something that human beings have never encountered before. And so the fashion industry is just kind of, as far as I'm concerned, is still like everybody else is still not, they still don't know what's going to happen. But I, th I think we do know that this is the one, I mean, there may be others, that come after this based on what I've been reading, but this pandemic is shaping up to be, you know, one of those collective experiences of complete change. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, I think it's at 15 million cases now, you know, hundreds of thousands of people dead. I mean, I, I think it's, as you said, I don't think any of us knew back then how bad, it was going to be, but it's certainly, it's certainly shaping up to be much, much worse than I think many of us expected. I mean, I think when I was talking to a couple of CEOs and they said, oh, we're closing, we thought we were closing our stores down for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And then obviously that turned into months. And you know, the whole, all the talk about first wave, second wave, and using the Spanish flu as a, as a, as a sort of, precursor you know the fact that the first wave was in the fall and then there was a summer and then the second wave was in the following fall good lord i mean we have no idea what we could be looking at in another four or five months so um yeah it's a it's been a it's been a challenge I think a real, yeah. you know, huge challenge for absolutely everybody on every level of every life, almost everywhere in the world. So, and there's that, there's nothing like that has ever happened. Yeah. How is it? So let's talk about fashion week because, mm. you know, without intentionally aging you, but you've been going to fashion week for something like three decades or more. Is that right? I, I went to, well, I, I went to my, first fashion show in Paris in 19, 1988, but I'd been working in the industry for a few years before that. So yeah, 40, I say 45 years. Okay. So <laughs> this is the first, so this is the first season in 
ever. Yeah, ever. Ever. That you that you've I mean, met. 9-11 like was seriously disrupted. Um, yeah. The shows in Europe did happen after 9-11, but there was, a, there was that sense of incredible disruption. Um, but aside from that, I can, and, and then I suppose the Icelandic volcano in another way because of all the travel plans being interrupted. But in, in, in the sense that there was, there was something that was utterly incompatible, no, there's never ever been anything like this. It, was, it wasn't a do we, don't we, it was a we don't. Um, yeah, so there's never, been, there's never been anything like this. Do you, do you find that you missed being at Fashion Week? Do you miss that environment? Do you miss the shows? Do you miss those amazing conversations you have with the designers? Do you miss hanging out with me back in the back of the car? The I mean, car, do you... that little that little petri dish of, of car that we drove around. With. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe we are some kind of weird lower life form, because I'm positive that we must have been exposed to the virus while we were traveling in Milan and Paris, and for some reason it just took one look and ran the other way. But um, I, you know, to be honest, there were other things that I found equally uh, engaging. I have never exercised in my life. Um, and um, I was on the swim team at school. I lie, but that was 100 years ago. Um, I started walking furiously through the world, like soaking in the chirping birds and the you know, the clear blue skies. We had that amazing weather. It was like nature was saying, oh, you're off my back. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy myself. And we had that amazing weather. And, and it was so good to be out and doing things and, and doing things I don't usually do. And I got really hooked on Top Chef on television, the American Top Chef. I'm up to series 11. Tom Colicchio is my new hero. Um, did you watch I, all of them? I watched every single, I'm in series 11 and I think there's six more. Wow. Oh, it's so good. It's so reassuring to know that there's a big lump of Top Chef I haven't seen. I mean, it's, this is the, the, the mind, the time became so elastic that your mind settles into these kind of reassuring banalities. And so when the show time rolled around and I was thinking today I would be at, today I, I thought a little bit, today I would be at, today I would be going here, today I would be. No, I didn't miss it. Um, I mean, it wasn't like I wasn't, like I said, it wasn't like I wasn't in touch with people. And yeah. this communication I found quite interesting. Um, this meaning Zoom. Zoom and talking to yeah. people about it. Yeah, because it was sort of controllable. And, and um, I, I had some, I've had some good conversations. Yeah. But in terms of missing the mechanics of the whole thing, um, it's, perfectly possible I was reaching the end of my tether with that, with that whole thing. Um, I've been unflaggingly enthusiastic about going to fashion shows for longer than most of the people I go to fashion shows have been alive. I go to fashion shows where they've been alive. Um, and lately I just found there was something you know, the whole industry was questioning its reason for existence before this happened. You know, it, 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 and there were so many people in so many other industries saying what this did was speed up something that was already happening. What would have taken five years took five months. And I kind of, I kind of agree with that, that um, if you were asking yourself any questions about what it was you were doing with your life, um, 
suddenly you needed answers that you'd been putting off for a long time. Yeah. It's a very, very long answer to your question, but that's what I do. I answer quick questions with long answers. So. That's fine. I have a tendency to do the same thing. And this is a, a discursive chat. So there's no end point. Um, I feel the same way, Tim. I, for reasons I won't get into, I mean, I've had to go back through my calendar um, back to 2013 and track where I've been every day for the last seven years. And I looked at my, my schedule and so much of my life was consumed by Fashion Week. And it just made me wonder, like, is this really the best use of my time? Is this the way I want to invest, you know, that most precious resource we have, which is time and yes. you know, yes. I I've had some amazing moments, experiences during Fashion Week. So I don't want to kind of diminish those at all. But in terms of the the way, you know, spending three or four months of our lives every year um, doing that circuit, it's it's I feel a bit of a weight off my shoulders, if I'm honest. You know? And I I know that sounds terrible because I love this industry and you know I've you know I've seen some incredible things but I also felt strangely liberated by the lockdown. I feel it made my mind up for me perhaps you know which I quite like I'm very lazy so I like um I'll put myself in a in a situation where the situation resolves the question that I might be asking myself. Um I, I the other thing that when you mentioned time, how much time people talk about going to the shows in Paris or Milan or whatever, but going to the shows, you have a, a 20 minute show or a 15 minute show with a sort of 90 minute block around it, or maybe even more sometimes. A lot of, if I wouldn't even care to sit down and work out how much time I've sat waiting. I know. In the 35 or more years I've been going to fashion shows, how many of those days have been filled with waiting? I'm a very, very patient person. Patience is truly a virtue. Um, it's definitely helps you deal with the ludicrous situation that everybody's finding themselves in um, political, politically. But uh, really, I think my patience started to be tried in the last little while. And last season, even though all the time, like you say, there are these moments that are so elevating, elevated, and you just are so, you're so entranced by what other people are capable of. I've always said this about, this about fashion. I've always said this about the fact that people say oh, you're a critic. Well, I'm not really a critic because, you know, I'm in awe of the things that other people are capable of. And even if they're not, you know, good or whatever, there's still somebody expended a lot of time and creativity doing something that I can't do. So I, I found that was a kind of um, very inspiring thing over the years and there's always wonderful things. I mean, fashion is a very 
fashion has this magic that it's like a vortex that just sucks all this other stuff into it. Music and art, and movies, and television, opera, and ballet and color and blackness and gloom and, and joy. And it just sucks everything. And more than, more than any, I've worked in every, almost every single creative field that you remember because I've been doing this for long, doing other things for a long time before I was in fashion. And I think fashion is in a way the most complete um, it has all forms of human life in it. And I think probably what we've seen recently is, is fashion really trying to come to grips with the iniquities, you know, the imbalances, the injustices, the, the prejudices and all that stuff. Um, just as every, you know, so many other um, areas, so many other parts of human life are trying to, of, you know, of humanity are trying to, trying to resolve these, these longstanding issues. And so, and that made it all more interesting in a, in a, in a, in a wonderful way, you know. Mm. That wasn't a question that I was answering, was it? Well, it was part of our discursive chat. So in, in light of the kind of uh, acceleration or um, illumination that this period has given to you about your opinion on fashion week uh -huh. and added on top of that you know the discussion that you know you and i have been having uh and 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 the series you've been writing about some of your top fashion shows of all time those amazing experiences that are like logged in your incredible brain what do you make of this digital fashion week thingamajiggy that's just happened and how 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 long do you think that thing has has real legs that was that was phase one and um i you know one thing i always said about fashion shows the real physical fashion show obviously the real physical fashion show is an incredible in at, at their best fashion shows are the most magical, mystical ritual, um, irreplaceable because their, their, whole, their whole reason for being is their physicality and their, their sort of commun communion, the communion of people, the investment that an audience makes in an incredible show. You get this incredible, incredibly elevated, um, transporting experience. Obviously, that is not, you can't duplicate that on a screen or whatever. But when, I've always said when I was reviewing a show, I, when I was writing about fashion, I was reviewing a show because that's what the designer wanted me to see of their collection. That is what a designer um, had, had created as almost like the sort of ambassador for the season. So I would write about what they wanted me to look at. And, um, I felt that I felt that about what we saw over the last couple of weeks. That this is what designers wanted me to see of what they were doing. So I'll think about that. I wouldn't even. Oh, in some cases, I would look at lookbooks because I was curious to see what the clothes looked like. If somebody had given me a sort of attitude video, rather a mood video, rather than a, you know, these are my clothes. This is my mood. Um, but I found I I felt like I think I told you I felt like I'd sat through a festival of short films. Yeah, and I found the whole I found the whole experience really um, fascinating, 
And some of it was incredibly enjoyable and it was really interesting to see how so many different creative sensibilities approach the same challenge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everything from the most sort of literal banal way to these extraordinary flights of fancy. But you also got to see, I think you got a strong sense of what worked best. And that was interesting, I thought. Um, after everything, after everything we've seen, after everything we know people are capable of doing now with technology, the things that work best were the most human things, the things that were about people doing stuff and quite sort of straightforward films of people doing stuff were the things that I enjoyed the most. And so give us some examples. Well, um, obvious examples for me were uh, the, the, Hermes, the Hermes video, um, the backstage video that was, it was, I mean, I know that it was technically kind of, it was like that sort of, you know, 1917 with the one shot. It was so, the, 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 the Hermes thing was so seamless and the way it just led you all around the backstage and, and just let, lighted on little vignettes and then moved on to another thing. I thought, thought that was amazing. Also gave you a lot of insight into the collection into Veronique McKinnon's creative, you know, I loved her in that film. I loved, because she's, she's not a showy, you know, post-show interview kind of designer. She just gets the job done and has been doing the most beautiful job for years at Hermes. And, and I thought this film was, you know, that's the film you would want people to remember you by, I thought. Obviously, John Galliano's film for Magella was incredible because you saw him at work, you saw him creating, you saw him, you saw the way he layers his influences, you saw his own experiences wrapped up with Martin Magella's experiences, you saw a collection literally taking shape, which I thought was incredible. I thought Kim Jones's video for Dior, an interview with um, Marco Bofo, the artist he was inspired by, collaborated with for that collection, was wonderful because, you know, if you, if you think that how many people who are coming to look at the new Dior collection would know who that artist was. You watch that video, you knew who he was, you saw what he did, you saw his milieu in, in Ghana, you saw, you saw Kim talking about him, um, you saw how it all connected and it was the kind of thing you know, I mean, if you'd seen that and then you saw an actual show with a collection, it would be lovely to see the actual clothes in movement and to feel, you know, how sensual they were or whatever. But you got an amazing sense of the collection with the film that Chris Cunningham edited, uh, the footage that um, Bofo shot in Ghana. And then Jackie Nickerson, amazing photographer, made a more impressionistic um, film of the collection and those two of those two of those things together you knew the clothes you understood the clothes you you got you 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 got their attitude but you also got their you got their dream but you got their reality i thought that was incredibly good um the these these things that gave you a glimpse um and then alessandro satori on friday doing his xenia film um for the 110th anniversary, you know, Xenia was planning to do a huge show, physical show in Treviro, where the Xenia mills were 
built 110 years ago. And obviously that was impossible. So he decided to show you something you would never have been able to see otherwise, which was this 3.3 kilometer catwalk, which has to end up in the Guinness Book of Records as the longest catwalk ever. It wasn't really, it was a, you know, it was a 3.3 kilometer trek that the models made combining digital and physical um, through the forest, the Xenia forest. There actually is a Xenia forest, which is, you know, fabulous. I wanted a wolf to jump out and grab a model as they walk past <laughs> or a deer to run through or something, because apparently there are lots of wolves in those woods. Um, and then they walked into the mill, they walked through the archives, they, you know, the actual mill, the, the, the weavery, the looms. And then up on the roof where they sort of ended with a sort of more traditional kind of walkout where you could see them. And then Alessandro was waiting for them to talk about the clothes. And all of this was a sort of, I guess it boils down to a behind the scenes, but it was, they were all so intelligent, you know? Um, and then of course Gucci did the daddy of them all with a kind of Warholian 12 hour point the camera and see what happens, you know? man sleeping for eight hours, Empire State Building for 12 hours. This was Gucci, the camera just pointing at the things happening or not happening. Um, and it was all, you know, maybe it was novelty, but it was all of that I found, those things I found enthralling. And then there were the other films that I loved, which you could ask me about if you want me to, if you want me to talk about them. But um, they were the things that I would, Go, but you could watch a game, you know, and, and just there was, there, was, there was a lot to take in. And I thought that was really reassuring in a funny way that we're, we're taken out of the actual physical experience of the fashion show, but we're given this other, not physical, but human insight into why these people do what they do and how they do what they do. And I found that quite, quite, um, moving in a funny way. I thought it was quite emotional. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef-grade range recently, and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off-limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. 
It's advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewelry that makes you feel like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. When it comes to style and luxury, eBay gets it. They're making sure the things you love are checked by experts. And not just any experts, specialized experts. Real people who love this stuff with real, hands-on authentication experience. So when you see that shiny blue check mark that says authenticity guarantee, shop with confidence. Every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is verified authentic through a detailed inspection. That's how you know that eBay's got your back. Because when you finally step into those sneakers, put on that watch, get your real gold glow up, swing that handbag over your shoulder, or step out in that streetwear, you'll realize that feeling is unlike any other. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. So what do you think all of this, if this was phase one, Mm -hmm. what do you think all of this means for September? You know, taking into account what's going on with the pandemic, some of the innovation that we've clearly seen over the last week or couple of weeks on kind of digital presentations. And I think some people's deep desire um, and some big groups and brands plans to, you know, to say like the show must go on. I mean, what, what's your prognosis for what happens now? It's not, it's not in our hands, is it? I mean, September isn't in our hands. It, it, uh, we don't know what's going to happen in September or in January. I, 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 the one thing I don't know, maybe you do know, what, were the, what, what the numbers were like for these things. I mean, what kind of audiences these, these, um, these presentations um, got? How many people well, actually- Well, it's a good question. And of course, every brand and every fashion council will massage numbers to look as big as possible. But just an anecdotal look at the view counts on some of these videos or looking at the number of live viewers watching, say, the Gucci thing at any given time, it was nowhere near the reach that a typical fashion show would have. Yeah, yeah. And I think I watched the Gucci thing on and off I obviously didn't watch for the 12 hours, but I watched at that peak moment when um, they were kind of doing the, kind of showing all the looks. And I think there was like four or 5,000 people watching on YouTube. At any given moment. At that given moment. And who they probably had it broadcasting on other channels in China and in other places. But if, you know, when we do a live stream 
of, of things at BOF, like voices, or when we did the summit recently, we also had, you know, three or 4,000 people watching at any given time. So it gives you a sense that the amplification that they would normally have. And I think if you saw the press coverage that came after, I mean, some people were telling me, you know, fashion week coverage used to get six pages in like mm. Le Figaro in Paris, and now it was reduced to one page. So mm. the, the, the kind of overall reach, I think we'll have to wait to see what those massage numbers looks like that we get back from some of the brands. But it's a question I posed to our our editorial team today to say like let's go look at some of the numbers and see yeah. what the market marketing value or earned media value is of some of this stuff because i suspect you're right that um it's or at least i think you were implying that perhaps it didn't reach as big an audience well you know like like the federation in paris for example they had that schedule they had that calendar and you could it's very easy to click on the just scroll down a day and watch every Hopes, watch every video, whatever. Um, and I just wonder, you know, how many people sat and did that? I mean, the Hermes film I come back to, the people who maybe had no interest in Hermes, but how riveted they were by the film. I mean, this is a, and there's, there's obviously, I don't know what the payoff is in something like that. It's, you know, is it a brand building exercise or what exactly is it? But it, it was, you know, the, some of them were so entertaining, and then and then some of the films. I mean, if you you know, if you didn't know who Raoul Mishra was, for example, the Indian couturier who had a very beautiful little film um, during Couture, uh, the Couture weekend in Paris, um, of his of his clothes being made, and. I found that that was it when I talk about the behind the scenes thing. And another thing that I was drawn by, and, and, I've, and I consider myself pretty, a pretty basic kind of person in this, I, I really like watching stuff being made. And, you know, Dior Couture had this um, film, Matteo Garoni, who's an amazing film director, but he made this, you know, the mythic, this sort of mythic, uh, sort of, uh, um, Re recreating myths with the Dior Couture in a very kind of white, um, very, it's interesting how white that was versus how, um, you know, dual men was inspired by black artists and used black models like the artists, friends and family. Um, and Dior was this white, quite blinding white, uh, which is kind of a shock from this director um, and, and, you know, there was some controversy about that. And Maria Grazia Curie said, well, you know, when you're inspired by Botticelli, you're looking at Botticelli's art and you're, you know, that's your inspiration. And um, Dior has made the, the last couture collection, the last resort collection in Morocco was an incredibly rich, diverse um, statement. And this just happened to be a reflection of, I guess, what they considered to be the source material. And people said, well, how come nobody said anything about it? And I, I, I was thinking afterwards that Matteo Garoni is such an amazing film director. I suppose if Martin Scorsese had made your collection film, the film for your collection, I guess, I don't know how many people are gonna say, Mr. Scorsese, you know, you've taken one particular track on this film. And I don't know whether that was I mean, the I case. A lot of people talked about it on, 
on social media. Yeah, yeah, it and got up, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe the kind of mainstream fashion press didn't cover it in that way, but in terms of the conversation that was happening online, it certainly provoked a, a response, especially in light of you know all the conversations that we're having inside fashion and yeah. beyond. Right? It, it just felt it felt it felt just in that moment it felt incredibly out of touch. Yeah. But then the, the reason why I brought it up is because I, the bit I liked in that film was actually the shots of the atelier because they were so beautifully filmed. The sort of light through the motes of dust or whatever and the women working. Because, and, in, and also in Margiela, when you see the people sewing because it is such an extraordinary metier. I mean, it is art. And in the same way that it's fascinating to watch film of Francis Bacon painting or, you know, or, or a sculptor sculpting. Um, when you see the actual hands and you see Bofo's fingers, finger painting those portraits that he does. There, that element, I thought, reminding people that fashion is this very extreme evolved craft, I thought was really good. I mean, you know, we're looking at fashion from a, from a looking at fashion from this, what this digital few weeks did was we're looking at fashion from a number of different angles. I mean, um, I think Jonathan Anderson did, did it better than anybody with, he, he made those boxes. He made a box of his own. That box was just mind blowing. Well, he called them time capsules. And in a hundred years, people are going to be looking at those boxes thinking, wow, what was that time? You know, like they look in an Andy Warhol box where he kept everything, you know, from, for a week or whatever, or a month, and then sealed it and put it away. And you open it now, and those boxes when they're open now are just mesmerizing. And, and I think that was so clever. Um, yeah. And, and that was, you know, the stuff that came out of this moment that, that, you know, I, I talked about Raul because I love that, but Mihara Yasuhiro from the Japanese, by the way, aced this digital, these digital fashion weeks. Every, I think every Japanese designer made something that was so good. Um, you know, Ray Kawakubo didn't show, but Yoji's film was really, it was pure Yoji, but it was still lovely to see it. And you could feel the clothes. I thought the Issei Miyake film, honestly, of all the films I saw, if you're thinking about the promotion of clothing, um, of it all giving you an insight into the actual clothes and making you desire the clothes, I thought that was the one that made me want to run to an Issei Miyake shop and buy the clothes. Um, not that I need much incentive to do that anyway, but um, the the, uh, ra the the Mihari Yasuhiro film with the puppets, those kind of knitted socky puppet things, going to a fashion show, and then actually sitting and seeing his clothes walking out, and it it was it was quite long, but it was so poignant, and for some reason, it just ends in the darkness of the puppets, kind of without the human animators the puppets just kind of slumped in darkness and i thought whoa metaphor yeah. it was just yeah i mean that that's when i was thinking i felt you know i always feel privileged that that i've been able to see the things i've seen but there were moments during these couple of weeks where i thought i'm happy i'm really happy i saw that you know i feel 
you definitely got you definitely got to see more than you'd normally see, right? Because like yeah. Yeah. Hermes and, and Yoji and some of these shows, like you haven't been able to review all of those shows. So you you were able to cover more of the gamut, you know, because you usually split the shows with Angelo. Yes. Um, both yeah. see a lot, which must have been nice. Well, it was it was comfortable and it was convenient. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't have to climb in a car and drive for an hour to something. So, yeah, it was uh, definitely that. So back to September. Can you imagine getting on a plane going to Milan or Paris in September? No. No. Not now, I can't. No, not right now. Um, I think the situation's incredibly volatile. Um, I, I don't... But in a, these were men's shows and a, a little, a bit of couture. This isn't the sort of full, you know, the full momentum of fashion. Um, this isn't, you know, that like Dries, for example, did a taster for September, which I thought was very good. It was only a minute or so, but it was a good taster. It made you scratch your head and want to see more. Um, I you know, the Dries word, wasn't showing in September. Did he? Well, the, the film that he showed, the little short film that he showed with a Jonas playing imaginary drums with a sort of exploding plastic inevitable light show behind him, which kind of velvet undergroundy, I thought, which of course I was always going to love something like that. But um, no, I, th I, I thought that was the idea that this is a sort of prelude oh, really? to... September. Well, let's see what happens. I mean, people seem to be changing their plans but i think at some point trees came out and said he's not going to do a show in september oh, oh well this was i mean uh, what i'm saying is that there were a lot of big guns who weren't present in this um for various reasons um and september if it i if if it was if something happens that makes the sort of physical thing impossible Obviously, if everybody is preparing a visual correlative, a, a digital correlative of their actual collection, then it changes everything. It's going to be a lot more difficult, a lot more clotted. I feel that there were people in these schedules who you normally maybe wouldn't be aware of in the normal calendar who, who had a slot. Um, and, you know, I could see it being a lot more crowded in September if everybody has to do this. But how does a show happen? How do you do a... I mean, I know Dolce & Gabbana and, and Etro did, did socially distanced shows. Um, and I, I proved it was possible. Um, I think if they happen, the shows will be highly localized in terms of the audience. Because I, don't, I think most people are like you. They can't really imagine themselves getting onto a plane or a train to go attend Fashion Week at the moment. Um, but people who live in that city, so, so Jacques Mousse did this show the other day, and it yeah. sounds like all of the, fr the press who live in Paris went to that show. And so mm -hmm. maybe, maybe that's what happens in September if the shows do indeed go on. I guess if, in the worst case scenario, if there's a second set of lockdowns and things become much more strict then then that won't be possible but right now it looks like you know localized audience shows then broadcast uh digitally and with this other element 
uh, added to it for online engagement, that seems to be at least I think what's possible right now. Well, and then and then who it, it all comes back to that question that we've been knocking around um, in the initiative, the rewiring fashion initiative it is who are fashion shows for ultimately. And I thought it was interesting reading what buyers had to say about the digital, the digital experience and how um, it actually that was surprisingly positive. I thought a lot of what I read, people weren't, I mean, obviously, you know, people saying we, we love to touch the clothes. We love to, uh, you know, it's so important for us to be with our teams and talk about things when we're looking at, uh, when we're looking at stuff. But I, I thought on the whole, they were pretty positive. Um, I mean, Prada, Prada definitely seems to have struck a very, very major chord with what uh, Mucha did with the, the, that collection, um, you know, where she, where she said she, she had time for the, she, for the first time, I think she said almost since her very first collection, she'd actually had time to think about what she does and why she does it because she wasn't wrapped up in meetings and dinners and all the fandango that goes on around fashion that she was locked down and she was in her garden and she learned how to do Zoom and she'd get in touch with people. And yeah. the collection was such a, it was essential. It was so, it was so much the essence of Prada stripped back to a sort of blank slate, but, but which is what you love, which is what you loved about Prada when it started that it was this incredible distillation of, of, of why you wear clothes with this gloss of desire, you know, not just that you wore them, but you wanted to wear them. And, I th and then having the five different points of view making films, I thought you see that, you could imagine, that as some kind of blueprint for um, inspiring people to to look at what at what you've done, um, giving them a real kind of banquet in a way, um, mm -hmm. different points. But 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 those five artists or five photographers, the filmmakers, and artists were kind of like the audience, five points of view in an audience, you know. And yeah. Prada was always about different points of view anyway. So I thought that was very smart. You saw, germ, you saw germs of opportunity. You saw possibilities, I think. You saw that if this did go on, if fashion lived like this for the next couple of years, although Oxford did come up with that vaccine today, didn't they? They've been- Yeah, I just, they, it's, that news broke like an hour or so ago. Yeah, yeah. And officially it's showing promise. So let's see, I think there's still some more trials. Yeah. I mean, yeah. everyone says the vaccine, if and when one is discovered and it works, that really unlocks everything, literally. Mm. Um, but with the economic impact that the industry's already felt this year, it's going to be very hard, even with a vaccine, for everything to bounce back immediately. Because it's just been, it feels like, I mean, going back to what we were talking about at the beginning, it just seems like such a, such a momentous shift in perception and the way all of us are thinking about life and which kind of leads me to my last question for you which is you know everyone's talking about this reset going to have a reset the industry is going to have a reset 
personally, we're going to have a reset. The world's going to be different. We're all going to care about sustainability. We're all going to buy less stuff. Um, what, what do you think? Oh, God, if only. Yeah. If only the whole notion that less is better and, um, and less is more and, you know, Schumacher's small is beautiful becomes everybody's Bible. And, and you know, I, I have said it a dozen times over, over the whole zooming thing over the last few months but i always i always imagined in a way that 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 fashion would go back to being and pardon me if you've heard me say this a thousand times fashion would go back to being the dressmaker the tailor and the cobbler and um we saw the world village over the last few months really quickly people really adjusted to living in their village you know you walk to your shops you walk home, you, 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 you go to your park or whatever, you live in, it, there might be nine million other people uh, within an eight mile radius of you, but you're in your village. And, you know, there was, an, there was a New York Magazine's coverage of, at the beginning when New York was just buckling under the, under the, the strain of the virus. There was a wonderful article about um, sort of, future medievalism or medieval futurism where the writer imagined a sort of new feudalism where there was such a reset that very fundamental human values reasserted themselves and the notion of need became a much more sort of basic barterable situation and I I don't know it would be I, I talk about that like it's some kind of ideal for me it would be very very hard for somebody like me to to live like that but um, I, I am too I'm much too self-indulgent and and um, and I'm not a hardy type but you know I could see I could I can see that kids care a lot less about things that I cared about, that other things are important to them. And I think, you know, things, certain things come naturally to each generation and the things that came naturally to me don't seem particularly important to, to people, to other people. And the things that come naturally to them seem completely impenetrable to me. Like what? Oh, you know, I, you can't make me say that on, um, no, I just, uh, creature comforts mean something different to me. I've had my living under a bridge years, you know, I've had those. I've had that, uh, I've had, I've lived those years where the things that were important to me weren't things like my well-being and, and um, where I was going to sleep and all that sort of stuff. You know, I... <laughs> It would be, I'm not saying unseemly, but it, it, it wouldn't be a good look for me to go back to living. I used to live in a squat that had no electricity or hot water or, you know, but you did, you just did it. It just didn't, you didn't even ask yourself. I lived with, you know, wow, people who, if they were casting Lord of Orcs, um, I was living with sort of um, people who were gonna, an audition for the role of orcs, you know, it, it just, and it didn't matter. It was just, you're young and you're, you're and, you, and you were 
and there were other things that were important. Um, I feel that happening now. I feel, I love the protests. I love the sense that, I love the sense that there's revolution in the air because it's so essential. You know, it's critical. Um, this, this momentum for change cannot be diverted. It cannot be stilled. It, and it must roll on. And I think fashion has to be part of that. And fashion, obviously, the way fashion was confronted by the situation of being confronted by, there's such a yen to make things the way they were. Please make everything right. You know, please, please turn the clock back to the way it was. It wasn't good. It wasn't good for people. It wasn't good for designers. It wasn't good for retailers. It wasn't good for anybody who was working in fashion and we have an opportunity that we haven't, that's what the reset is. We have an opportunity to make it good, maybe. Um, and, uh, you know, you want to be part of the solution, not the problem. So, yeah. and that's the reset, being part of the solution, not the problem. Yeah. Did that make any sense whatsoever? It, it did. Um, yeah. It did because, um, it gets to this kind of wider question around, you know, what it all means in the end. Thank you, Tim, for our chat. It's not the same as our old chats because we got to like um, do them in person, but I'm glad we got a chance to. Yeah, but, but, but you know, and, and we, could, uh, we could do catch ups, you know, it doesn't have to be after, we, it doesn't have to be after shows because presumably there'll be lots to, there'll be things to sort of talk about as this, as this situation evolves. I mean, it really is, it, it's so interesting that nobody knows, you know, there, there is no, there is no one person you can look to who can tell you with any confidence that they're sure that this or that is going to happen next. And I don't think there's ever been a moment where perhaps where the human race was so utterly rudderless, you know, we have no pilot. We have Anthony Fauci and we have, um, you know, people like that, but they don't know. And they know more than the rest of us, but nobody's really listening to them. None of the leaders are listening we, to them. We, but we are, and we're listening to them. And what we hear them saying is that, yes, they know a lot, but they don't, they can't tell you this is going to happen next. And exactly. so fashion, when we say what's going to happen in September, we can say what we would like to happen, but we can't say with any certainty that it's going to. Whereas last September, we could say, oh, on September the 20th, we are going to be sitting at a Dries Van Noten show. Or September the 21st, we're going to be at a Rick Owen show or whatever. And we can't say that. Um, we can't I don't say know. There's something, there's something I kind of like about that because, yeah. you know, yeah. It's, yeah. Um, it reminds you that you are an animal. You know, exactly. and we, are, we, the human race is actually a, we are part of the animal kingdom. And um, we well, had lost. You're, you're wearing an appropriate shirt. Um, we had lost touch with that, that we are, we are part of the grand continuum of, continuum of nature. And um, animals don't know what they're doing on September the 20th, unless they're doing some kind of mass migration somewhere and they, it's programmed into their genes. But no, we're, we're, we need to get back in touch with all of that. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, let's let's do another one of these chats again soon, Tim, because it's, you know, you're okay. great. Okay, all right. Thanks, Thank Imran. you so much. And Thank thanks you. to all of you for joining us. This is Imran Ahmed, founder and CEO of Business Thank Passion. you, everybody. We are pleased to have you with us for BOF Live. Jo join us for more episodes of BOF Live next week. And yeah, thank you. Bye. If you've enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, give us a rating, and you might be interested in joining the Business of Fashion's global membership community, BOF Professional. Our members receive exclusive deep dive analysis, regular email briefings, as well as unlimited access to our archive of over 10,000 articles, our new iPhone app, learning materials from BOF Education. You know that's the sound of another sale on your online Shopify store. But did you know Shopify powers selling in person too? That's right. Shopify is the sound of selling everywhere, online, in-store, on social media, and beyond. <laughs> Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. With Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com BOF, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash BOF to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash BOF. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? For me, I got a chef grade range recently and now I'm cooking new things every single night. Seriously, no cuisine is off limits. The point is, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. I can picture myself with a car full of groceries, cruising down the highway, soaking up the sun with the available dynamic sky panorama glass roof. Ah, pure bliss. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.